The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I'm someone who can move really easily through a lot of spaces, mostly because I'm a light-skinned black woman with, like, green eyes and, like, now blonde hair that I change out and maybe sometimes it'll be pink, but whatever, today it's blonde. (laughs) And I, I think to myself, like, I have brown skin friends or dark skin friends who like might not be able to to move the way I get to move through the corporate ladder or the corporate structure space or even just like the posh elements of society like as a as a whole um, and and being able to recognize that even too like even in blackness there are layers of privilege. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Lorise McMillian. First off, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Sakara. We're so grateful for you. If you guys want delicious vegan food delivered right to your doorstep, you can go to Sakara.com and enter code reality for 20% off your order. Also for Sigmatic, you know, I'm a huge fan of their immunity boosting chaga. I actually took some this morning because I'm feeling a little bit run down. You can visit Four Sigmatic right now to get any of their delicious teas or coffees and use code reality at checkout for 15% off. So today I'm sitting down with Loris, who is a journalist and editor at Refinery29. Loris runs Refinery29's Unbothered Instagram account, which is a page that empowers strong millennial black women just like her. I found out about Loris from her killer Instagram series called That's Not It, Sis, where she teaches women how to best communicate to get our needs met in the workplace. In this episode, we dive into her background in journalism, how she got the job at Refinery29, and what it's like being a black woman in the workforce, and how we can become better allies to women of color. I really hope that you guys enjoy this week's episode. I'm sending so much love and light to you all. And with that, here's this week's episode. To give you some background on how I found you. Yeah, I would love that. I was like, (laughs) how did you find me? I found you. You were in my suggested and you make these amazing Instagram posts about communication and how to get your needs met, specifically in the workplace. Yeah. And so I followed along in the beginning just because I wanted to, I liked your posts and I was like, this is great. And then I think it was, I read this piece and I, you know, I've always been aware of the whiteness in the feminist movement, (laughs) but I started really diving into intersectional feminism and I saw a piece that you had written for Refinery29 about being African-American, being a female and what it's like to work as a black woman for the major company. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to have her on the podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's something that's so important. And, um, here on this platform, I like to give 
space yeah. to people to so to share their experience because I do believe that the path towards unity is through empathy. Yeah. How can we be empathetic if we're not really hearing people, you know? Yeah. And so I just thought, oh my God, I got to have her on the podcast. And <laughs> here we are. And last week, are you familiar with Ashley Marie Preston? Yeah. She came on the podcast and girl, she blew my mind. Really? I mean, yeah. I just sat there. I tried to cap my podcast at 45 minutes and we were like an hour and 40 in yeah. and I'm just like, speak to my soul. Oh my like God. she, first of all, she's sober. So we had that in common yeah. because I'm a sober woman, but her story just, um, it like reinvigorated me yeah. to just work in this space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and then also last week I had on a mother who has two special needs kids. And so we were talking about how to be a good ally. Yeah. And so, so here we are. So I, first, before we dive into all of that, I just want to know a little bit about your background, like where you grew up and how you started working in, in media and in journalism. Yeah. Um, so I am from Maryland. I have, I moved to New York like about two, three years ago. So like, I still consider myself a super newbie. Maryland's like right down the road. My mom can get to me at any point in time, which is kind of nice and kind of horrible at all at the same time. <laughs> um, but I am a super big family girl. Um, full disclosure, I'm 25. So I, um, I have a 22 year old sister who we're like this. I go back and forth all the time, but pretty much I kind of dropped into media definitely not by surprise. Um, I know like a lot of girls in the industry who are like, yeah, like I did this and did that and like ended up here. Like I was like, do you know like that like character on Even Stevens, Ren Stevens, the like big sister who's like, okay, I'm like in this club and I'm like doing all this stuff and I'm just like super crazy straight edge person. Like that was me. Um, so I like did community college journalism club. I did, um, this really beautiful magazine that's national magazine that's randomly placed in Baltimore called girl's life. Um, I got my start there. I was there for about three years and I ran all of their social channels and did a lot of period education work and a lot of just like things that are like younger sisters want to hear. And I, the older I got, I started like looking through these magazines and I was like, geez, like I'm cutting out all of these pictures and basing my life around these these people. And, you know, these magazines don't have girls that look like me on the cover. These magazines don't have people that look like me through the pages. And I took a step back and was like, I'm I'm really like idolizing like the 2003, 2005 like era of Teen Vogue and Seventeen and L Girl and Cosmo Girl and the things that I grew up with that made me kind of fall in love with the industry. But the older I got, I started saying like, okay, substance, what is missing here? What stories are missing? What voices are missing? And um, I was super fortunate to land at Refinery where I had the pleasure of launching our 29 Unbothered, which is our Instagram account that is just for Black female empowerment. It's been a pleasure to run and also just talk to the community in such an open forum. It's really been a lot of fun. I love that you saw that at such a young age and you're like, I'm just going to create space here. Here we go. You know what I mean? Like you didn't hold back and you were like, you know what, this needs to be talked about and we're going to do this. 
quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about the importance of adaptogen mushrooms. You guys know I've been talking about chaga a lot lately, and it's because I'm absolutely obsessed with Four Sigmatics chaga. Anytime I'm feeling a little bit run down, I take this and feel back to 100% within an hour. I've been starting my day with their mushroom coffee with lion's mane instead of regular coffee because I love how it makes me think and feel productive without the jitters or the big crash. Mushroom coffee is more than just coffee. Theirs contains lion mane, the brain's best friend. It supports focus, productivity, and creativity during your busy day. Fun fact, lion's mane mushrooms have long been used by Buddhist monks to help them focus during meditation. And then, of course, it contains chaga, the king of all mushrooms. Right now, chaga is my favorite functional mushroom. The compounds and antioxidant properties in chaga play a huge huge role in supporting our immune system and maintaining its function. I recommend starting your day with the king of all mushrooms because with everything you've got going on, there's no time for a time out. It's like your daily bodyguard to keep you well. Right now, we have a special offer for the Recovering From Reality podcast audience. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Just go to foursigmatic.com forward slash reality or enter code reality at checkout. That's four, F-O-U-R, sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash reality to receive 15% off your order. So how old were you when you started working for Refinery29? I want to say I was about 22, 23. So I had just graduated um, college at University of Baltimore, and I already had industry connections from internships and things in the past, but... I just, like, went out on a limb. And, like, this is, like, the power of black girl magic. I linked in, like, super cold message this really amazing woman named Bethy Germay. Hi, Bethy Germay, if you're listening, who wasn't even at Refinery once I started there, but she was a stylist there. And I saw her picture on LinkedIn, and I was like, wow, she looks like me. Um, like they have people there that look like me. And so I messaged her and was like, hi, Bethy Germay. Like, I know that I'm like a college student from like middle of nowhere, Maryland. And I'm like cold emailing you, but this is my resume. And I really want to work on like the refinery social team. And I know you're not on the social team, but I don't know anyone else that looks like me really. And so I, if you're comfortable, like, will you pass this on? And she like reached out to me the next day, like, yeah, I forwarded it to the social team. And like I had an interview for an entry-level community management social position. So basically I just had to like answer all of the comments and DMs and all the craziness that comes in through social, right? Because Refinery29's Instagram has over 2.9 million followers. Yeah. That's a lot We're, of work. It's a lot of work. I So I've run the main at Refinery29 handle. I've run the at 29 Rooms handle, which is really a lot of fun if you— can take your kids. You should totally go. Okay. Um, and I've run the R29 style handle. And I think that that like lower level work of like being in the comments and responding to people and being like, oh, like this video may have gotten like a thousand views, but like all the comments are saying that we got this wrong. But being able to connect with people on that really personal level at like a really young part of my career at Refinery, I think helped me kind of see this larger need for like going back to the series you kind of talked about on my personal page. I remember being like, wow, if black women and women of color in lesser served communities had the tools and communication um, experiences to kind of fight their way through the industry, 
wow, like what a place that would be. And so I think I was honestly just inspired by like the community, just like being forced to talk to people like through work and being like, wow, like girls are asking for this article or girls are asking for this makeup tutorial um, for women that look like them and and have the same life experience as them and thinking, wow, like I should provide that service. Yeah. So you were like, I'm up for the job of advocating for diversity in this platform. And remind me, the other name is R29 un- Unbothered. Unbothered. Yeah. And so who did you go to to say like, I want to basically create this space? Yeah. So um, Allie Hickson was um, the senior social media editor at the time who I was kind of helping put this larger initiative together. She ended up leaving the company. She like found her way through tech. She's at Apple and she's like my dream mentor hero person. Um, And so she kind of left this like baby on my lap, this um, Instagram account. And so I had her guidance going through like the heavy lift process of talking to the comms team to be like, okay, people are going to ask why we need this. If refinery at large is super diversive, we were really like, okay, well, let's describe what a safe space is. Yes. You know, like let's let's take them there and recognize that because we are diverse, because we want that inclusion, we're creating this space for women. Yeah. Um, we had to go th- to our CCO because at the end of the day, we're a business um, and say like, yes, obviously we should have a safe space for black women, but also there's money. Like you should not neglect a whole group of people. Not that we were, but we we should really be choosing to talk to them, you know, choosing to have those conversations because it's foolish not to. You're, black women have so much spending power. Black women have so much influence on culture. And to leave us out of the conversation is not just a discredit or a disservice to black women, but it's a it's not going to be great for your business either, you know? Yeah. So what does that space look like now? It's Is it more than the Instagram account? Yeah. So we have a little team. Um, we have a really amazing senior editor who handles everything that's on site, like the actual articles and things like that. I have an amazing associate who helps me and our video producer create really fun videos for the account. Sometimes we'll literally be outside at Washington Square Park, like, we need to talk to some black women about like what they thought of the last award show. Like, let's just grab a mic and go talk to people. Um, it's a lot of fun and and it has really expanded. And I think that it has definitely influenced my work outside of Refinery. It has definitely influenced who I want to be in the community outside of Refinery because Unbothered is is so special, but it's not just a job. It's, it's definitely... Um, a responsibility that I don't take lightly in terms of being someone who creates media that shapes the world we live in. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the amazing content that you produce on your personal Instagram, if you guys aren't following along, I'll make sure to put her handle in the show notes so you can, and we'll go through the whole gist of where you can follow at the end. When you first created that, like what was the response and have you gotten any backlash? Like what what has it been like? Oh my God, girl. It has been crazy. I'm sure like if you follow Refinery29, you've like saw like the quotes like that. Just like, I don't know, like don't quit your daydream kind of like things. Like that's me. Like I was writing like okay. all those things. <laughs> yeah. And so like that's kind of my jam. And so one day I was at Chill House Nail Salon like waiting my turn to get my nails done. And I was just playing around on Photoshop and I was like, I want to do something that's like not just a quote or a mantra or 
like my my usual yeah, it was just like positive. Yeah, you know what I, I was mean? like, let like, me just jump out yes. of my box a little bit. And I, it's funny, I like would have girls in the office come to me like, okay, so I really want to raise, or like I really want this and that. Like, can you read this email for me? Or like, <laughs> I have to have a one on one with my boss, and like, can you can you yeah. help me like um, prepare for it? And so I had just talked to my homegirl about a meeting she was going to have to like pitch herself for a raise, and I was sitting there thinking about it and I was like I should have wrote that down Mm. and I had like like I said a little bit of time in between my manicure and so I was like let me just play with this concept and um and put it out there and I did and I swear I did not expect the response that I got it blew up at the time like that year I had maybe had only like a couple of posts hit like a thousand likes that one blew up. I immediately made another one because I had so many people in the comments being like, can you do this one? Can you try this next? Um, I still have people asking me, can I do certain topics next? I have gotten a lot of backlash, though. Like some people will literally be like, this is such bad advice. I like try really hard to make sure that my language and my caption is kind of like this works for me or like this, you know, is advice I gave to like my best friend or something because it is true. And I'm not sitting here like waving a Harvard like degree, like I'm a communications specialist. I guess I am to some degree, but I, I'm not never trying to be didactic or tell people like, this is how it's got to be. It's more so like, this is my experience. And if you want to like take from it and, and create your own, you should feel welcome to, but like lots of trolls, man. Are you working from home? Stay healthy, focused, and energized with fresh, delicious meals delivered straight to your door from Sakara. Grocery stores are crowded and picked over. You can stay home and stay healthy and strengthen your immunity with fresh, delicious meals delivered straight to your door. I personally did Sakara a few weeks ago, and let me tell you, the food is absolutely divine. In a single week eating with Sakara, you can consume over 400 different ingredients. I love the variety. Sakara is a nutrition company that believes that wellness begins with what you eat. Their signature nutrition program brings the transformational power of plant nutrition to your home in the form of fresh, plant-rich, ready-to-eat meals. Made with organic ingredients and powerful superfoods, each meal is expertly designed to boost immunity, improve energy, support gut health and digestion, and get your skin glowing. All of Saqqara's meals are 100% plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. As you guys know, I am not plant-based, but Saqqara made my life so easy. All I had to do for the week in meal prep was grill up some chicken and have some fish ready to go, and I had delicious meals three times a day. In addition to their delicious meals, Saqqara also offers daily essentials like supplements and herbal teas to complete your wellness routine and support your overall health and vitality. To boost immunity, try their best-selling daily probiotic blend or their detox water drops with pure chlorophyll. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their order when they go to sakara.com slash reality or enter code reality at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash reality to get 20% off your order. Sakara.com slash reality. I think... 
the way that we communicate really matters. And prior to me coming back into the workforce, like I was a stay-at-home mom. And so I was a stay-at-home mom with a lot of programming. And I know that just as women in general, we have a hard time communicating our needs because we feel like we have to do it all. We have to be, you know, if we're a working mom, we have to work the hardest in the office and at home to prove that we can't handle it all, that we can take on the world, that we're stronger than our male counterparts, that everybody can rely on us. We can't show any signs of weakness. I know it affects women of color differently. And I was wondering if you can speak on that a little bit. Definitely. I think that especially at work, like me as an individual, because I literally run the black quote unquote Instagram channel, a lot of people will be like, hey, like, can I bounce this off of you? Or can I get you in this brainstorm? Or can I do X, Y, and Z? And it's like a lot of pressure to be like, okay, well, like, now this isn't like not my actual job. Like, I don't work in this But you want my expertise so that you are making sure that you're talking to the audience the correct way, which is something that matters to me. But it is a lot of pressure to, like, have to step into, like, like I don't work in sales or or podcasting or – so, like, when I walk into, like, those departments at work and, like, I have to speak a little bit to the black experience, I'm like, I hope I'm, like, getting this right. I hope I'm doing this right because I don't – I don't exist in those departments as a as a creative. And so it, it it is a lot of pressure to kind of feel like, oh, I have to boss up and rise to the occasion to make sure this team is good on the black stuff and that team is good on the black stuff and not just my team, even though that's my job. You know, it feels like a lot of like, okay, well, I'm tired of talking about what it means to be black, but I know that the consequence is that if I don't, then we could get it wrong. And a lot of black women could feel mis- like unseen or 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 misread or misheard. And so it is a lot of like— That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, man. And I know that black women aren't the only women who kind of go through it. I know that Asian women go through that kind of like, oh, well, we're like doing a project about like Asian people. So we're going to ask the one Asian person in the room, like single her out kind of thing. And like it totally happens. And it's it's a lot of pressure. You know, you're like, okay, well, on the one hand, this isn't my— place to be the representative for like all people um, of color but like also if I don't say something like maybe we're like the next Pepsi commercial or yeah. like the next like mess so it, it it is like a really stressful thing one thing that I really try to do to make sure that I'm staying checked in with myself like I have an appointment today I go to therapy every single week Thursdays and I mean, I think that therapy should be your own journey and your own comfort place. But for me, as a black woman, I'll be completely honest, I have a black therapist who literally looks like she could be like me, like maybe like plus like 15 years because she like she she's like my my New York mom that I pay <laughs> to like yeah. tell all my problems to. And I feel like it is so indescribably like, nice to just be like, hey, doctor, I just came from a meeting where I had to, like, tell, like, 15 white people about, like, how I detangle my hair, <laughs> you know? And 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 it's something that, like, I—and this isn't, like, just a, a work thing. This is, like, anywhere. Like, I, I had to, like, explain to, like, my girlfriends who don't look like me why it took me, like, X, Y, and Z, like, long to get ready because my hair process takes different—like, it's just a different process. Um, but being able to confide in a 
therapist that looked like me became such a um, such a power move for me. And just like being able to be like, okay, I don't have to explain myself here. And it takes that layer of like guessing off of it. And so I am able to go back to like my text groups or my 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 office place, wherever I am in life and be like, okay, well, I feel supported and I got what I needed. So I'm able to do this work. I feel like you can't do the work if you're not taking care of yourself first. And for me, like that was something I learned by force. <laughs> yeah. Two things that come to my First of all, that also makes me think about that article we were talking about, the importance of if you're in a workplace with other black women, having you guys understand each other on a degree that we just won't. I mean, I am totally empathetic to the yeah. cause, but unless you've walked in those shoes and yeah. unless you've had to fight. And I think that this is where like, and I think a lot of my listeners understand privilege, yeah. but it's like, it's not until you actually can imagine yourself. It's like we as women have to work 10 times harder than our male counterparts and we still don't get paid equally. Yeah, it's but so as true. women of color, you have to work 20 times harder yeah. than, you know, our male counterparts yeah. just to be seen. It was interesting because last night I was looking up statistics on the pay gap. Yeah. And, you know, there's all of these like statistics about how many how many cents to the dollar do women make versus men and then people of color versus the average white man in the US. But this I found really interesting. This you can find this on NPR. I'll also try to remember to link it in the show notes. But um, it said the researchers found that the racial wealth gap applies even to the country's wealthiest family, black children whose parents were in the top 1% of earners with incomes at an average $1.1 million per year, grew up to have incomes 12.4% less than the white children who grow up in households with similar incomes. And that just spoke to me where I was like right there. Yeah. You know, it's like, so having these spaces where there is diversity or having that therapist you can go to or that other amazing black working woman that you can yeah. call it is so important and i think that it's easy as a white woman to go well why should there be like special places just for black women like yeah. why aren't there just special places for white women and because I got that response from somebody who I had spoken to <laughs> about your article. And I was like, there are in every workplace. <laughs> and she was just kind of like dumbfounded. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, in every working place it's <laughs> that has, you know, men and women, yeah. it's going to be predominantly white women. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like it's so important, I feel like, to have allies like you who like say that out loud because first <laughs> no, it's so it's so true and there's so many people who like it's just an uncomfortable thing to like just talk about out loud, right? And, and like not everyone wants to do that. And so yeah. when when you do have a platform and I think there's this weird thing where like I don't know where I'm going with this, but the white savior complex where like People think that like, oh, like I don't want to be that guy who's like coming in to swoop in and like save people. But it's not that. There's a really fine line between that and like an, a true ally who says, no, no, but this is actually how things are. 
Yeah. You know? Or, and just to hold space for that experience. I think that we see a lot, you know, and I can be super critical of the woke crowd. Yeah. No, yeah. In this space where it's like we feel important for doing this work. And it's like you have to check yourself and your ego. And yeah. there is, I think there's also sometimes for a lot of us who want to come in and save the day. And it's like, from what I understand, that's not what we're asking for. You're asking for, you're asking just to hold the space, yeah. you know, and that if you need help, you're going to ask for it, yeah. you know? So I think that, um, you know, having these spaces that are dedicated to representation, that are dedicated to supporting people of color in the workplace, it benefits everybody. Yeah, it does. It so does. It's also like I'm someone who can move really easily through a lot of spaces, mostly because I'm a light-skinned black woman with, like, green eyes and, like, now blonde hair that I change out. And maybe sometimes it'll be pink, but whatever. Today it's blonde. <laughs> and I, I think to myself, like, you know— I have brown skin friends or dark skin friends who like might not be able to to move the way I get to move through the corporate ladder or the corporate structure space or even just like the posh elements of society like as a as a whole um and and being able to recognize that even too like even in blackness there are layers of privilege you know like I did a video about it where it was like a year where it just kept popping up and I was like I want to talk about this I want to talk about the fact that I get treated a lot better than some black women and some black women in my own family even. And I got a lot of pushback from people being like highlighting the differences is really like toxic and like we're all black at the end of the day. But in reality, there's privilege in, in literal visibility. There's privilege in literally looking lighter and whiter than other people. There's privilege in having green eyes. Like there's, there's privilege in being able to speak the way I speak, you know, it, it's just super. Yeah, I, I love Brene Brown went on this podcast and she talked about the privilege. She goes, you cannot have the conversation about privilege without talking about socioeconomic yeah. status. You definitely can't. And that's, again, like where the series, that's not it series comes into play because it's like, I feel like the concept of code switching where, for those of you who aren't super familiar with it, just basically means that you you kind of change your dialect when you go into a room to kind of protect or preserve yourself. Um, we also did a video about that that I can share with you, Lex. But it's kind of like not everybody has that ability. You know, not everybody is able to to present in a way that is going to be palatable and I hate that word, but or accepted by people who are not black or people who are not like them. And I felt like by by creating the That's Not It's this series was very much reaching into that space of being like, I know what it's like to be in Baltimore City and um and see people who are brilliant who just don't have the tools to to get to like Times Square in New York and and talk the talk and walk the walk. But if they did, they would be successful as hell because they're talented, you know? And I think that being able to be like, kind of like an internet big sister and be like, let me check your resume real quick. Let me help you out with your email because your portfolio might get you in the door. But if you can't write that email to like 
wow and woo them, they're not going to respond, you know? Yeah. And that's where I think the communication piece is just so cool and so important. I want to pull one up and just (laughs) go through it because, no, because they're so great. And I also think that we can easily be really reactive. Yeah. Um, I think I can't speak to the black experience, but just as a woman, you know, when I feel disrespected in the workplace, I can easily want to just like fucking lose it. You know what I mean? On people. And so, you know, being able to pause and being able to think things through is a privilege and a gift. You know what I mean? And I think that that came with being able to afford a therapist who I can talk things through and how, you know what I mean? All of these things. So this is so important. So the series that she does, we didn't say this, but that we've been talking about this whole time (laughs) is called That's Not It Says, (laughs) which I love. This one's so good. It's taking the cunt out of constructive (laughs) criticism. (laughs) Taking the cunt out of constructive criticism. So, okay, there's two sides. One is that's not it, sis. And the other one is, okay, you good. Um, (laughs) So one of the, on the that's not it, sis, it's what the fuck is this? This is literally pointless. And the okay, you good side is what can we do to highlight the bottom line? And so these are just ways to communicate where we're getting our point across in a way that's going to be receptive and that's also not going to put the other person in a place of feeling threatened or like disrespected or whatever it might be. That shit is sloppy, bro. (laughs) The other side is this piece could use some more attention and detail. (laughs) And I should be kicked off the internet. No, you're so great. You're so, so great. Navigating the workplace when you're not white. That's not it, sis. I'm going to let you do this one. (laughs) I'm not going to try to read this. I'm going to let you do it. It's so good, though. Okay. I get a little carried away. Um, So on the that's not it, sis side, what the fuck are you talking about? I am not aggressive. (laughs) Um, Which also, I before I go on, like just how you were saying, too, like, being able to protect yourself from that, like, trope Mm -hmm. of being the emotional woman or the hot-headed Latina or the aggressive black girl. But um, so the the you good to to what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not aggressive is I'm just really passionate about X. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm a snorter. That's okay. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Um, The next that's not it, sis, is no, bitch, I do not know insert random fact about my culture off rip um a lot of times people will literally be like this is like just an example i use hmm i don't know how old is beyonce larice and i'm like i don't fucking know like as if you should know everything (laughs) about every piece of black culture no i'm sure that that's something that you deal with a lot, especially working in the pop culture yeah. space. Like, like you're supposed to know all of the facts about every single piece of black culture yeah, I mean, because Google, you're some expert. I know. It's just like and I can't imagine that that's very frustrating. <laughs> My OK, you good to that is, hmm, maybe try Googling it. 
Um, if they claim they're an ally, they'll do the work for themselves, which is something I do think is super true and super important because it's kind Let's of like— Let's dive into that. It's a nice, it's a nice way to, to, to kind of be like, I'm putting the onus on you. Like, I'm not going to be aggressive and snappy and that's not it, sis you. But I, I am going to say, hmm, I'm, I'm not sure because, oh, you know what? I'm not sure. If I want the answer to Beyonce's age, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, we do hear, um, I think we're navigating and it's a very, it's a tricky space. Yeah. Because in this was a gift of the Trump presidency. It's like, I think for us in our age range, the first time I voted, I don't know about you, was for Barack Obama. Yeah. And so I grew up in my teen years when you start kind of understanding politics a little bit. Yeah. Uh, with a black president yeah. who made it legal for gays to get married, mm-hmm. who, you know, and I, so I grew up in a very, to a suburb of Los Angeles um, that was very kind of, we didn't see color. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And like racism doesn't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though I can see systemically in my community how it does really exist yeah. because people of color literally can't afford to live where we live. Like it's yeah. so expensive. Yeah. And so you see schools where there are two or three black kids and the rest of the population is Asian or white. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was when we started kind of waking up to the challenges we were facing, the Me Too movement happened and all of a sudden women are marching in the streets and then all of a sudden we're having these conversations about intersectional feminism and then and how the feminist movement have le- has left behind trans women and mm-hmm. uh, trans women of color and women of color. Yeah. And I think what happened is, and rightfully so, a lot of rage started to where we're seeing these heated you know, threads on social media platforms of people who are like, you need to educate yourself about all of this stuff immediately and all this stuff. Yeah. I agree. Um, But I still think it comes down to the communication. Yeah. And that's not for me to necessarily say, I guess, but I think that's why I really like what you're doing because what you're saying is if you want people to actually listen to you. Yeah then we need to be communicating in a way that allows people to be receptive to what you're saying. Yeah, I think as someone myself who's done the work, I understand the rage and I'm okay with it. Yeah, And I hold space for all of that anger because there are stages of healing. We're not going to go from like, you know, the years and years of oppression and systemic racism all of a sudden to a place of like where we're fine, especially when we're still dealing with mass incarceration and trans black women being murdered at alarming rates. And the fact that women of color are far more likely to die during childbirth than white women, their white counterparts. And so the rage and the anger, I understand. Um, And I would just encourage any of my listeners who are wanting to learn about how to be a good ally to go and educate yourself about these things. I mean, what really opened my eyes is I watched that documentary, The 13th on Netflix, and I was like, whoa, I mean, profound. And I really started to dive into this. And, um, you know, so follow women of color. Listen to what they're saying and don't get defensive. Yeah. And even if they're coming off as angry, 
or intense or whatever you might, you know, be seeing it as. Because I, I've listened to rants on yeah. a lot of Instagram accounts that that felt really heated and stuff. But I realized it's not about me. And I would be angry too. And I am angry. I'm angry just as being a woman. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we're still arguing about abortion rights and the fact that we're, you know what I mean? Like I'm mad. And so I get it. Um, And I'd love to hear from you too, like any input that you have about how we can be better allies to support, you know, women of color and, and just people of color in general. I think that, um, so maybe the Beyonce um, age thing, is a bad example, but more so, like, I feel like the way that I would envision, like, a dream scenario like that going down is, like, okay, someone outside of the community comes with me, comes to me with a question more so that's, like, hey, I just watched the 13th. I'm curious to know what you think about X. Mm. You know what I mean? As opposed to being, like, so what? what is the 13th? You know what I mean? It's a little bit more like, okay, you've read the book and you want to have the discussion as opposed to like, just summarize it for me and let me know how it ends. Like educate me in all of this stuff. And I think um, because I've had conversations with my white girlfriends who are like, well, I talked to my black friend about this and she got really mad and was like, it's not my job to educate you about uh, racial injustice and all of this stuff. And... The answer is, that's right. You need to go and educate yourself and then sit down with a person of color and go, what can we do to help? And what is this really like? How has it affected your family? I mean, for the vast majority of Black Americans, and this is a fact, and it's like incarceration has affected your family. Yeah. And it's really unjust. You know, so a lot of these children are growing up in single parent households where there's a lot of trauma and like how has systemic racism affected your childhood? How has it affected your upbringing, your beliefs about yourself, your education? Um, Just last night, we looked up the statistics on African-American teens, how many of them don't end up graduating from high school. Like, what can we do to be fixing these issues? How can we support black children to make sure that they're getting their high school diploma? Yeah. You know, these things matter. Yeah. I think that that sort of mindset of being like, okay, I'm going to research this on my own and then I'm going to host a space to have a discussion Mm -hmm. is how it should go in my head. I just feel like there's something— as a, as a black woman and as a woman of color, and I also feel like just as a woman, like, feeling like the responsibility isn't just shifted onto me. I feel like as a woman, there's so many scenarios and all these societal, like, sayings that we have to, like, be the ones to take care and we have to be the ones to yeah. fix. We have to be the ones to nurture. We have to be the ones to educate. And so it gets so tiring, but it's refreshing when you have someone who's not in the community come up and say, hey— did you see this? What'd you think? You know, yeah. because because that's what we do. That's what black girls do. Yeah. We watch the 13th and then we text our friend and say, did you see this? Yeah. What'd you think? You know, it's not a, can you explain the whole thing? You know what I mean? And so I think that being willing to talk to 
black women in your life about black issues and and being able to contribute to the conversation in a way that is helpful. Yeah. And and in my opinion, the most helpful way is to to ask how do you feel and also to say what can I do? Yeah. You Don't know? give unsolicited advice, please. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen and hold space yeah. and offer support. Um and I just want to clarify for anybody who's still not getting it, and I hope that you are at this point or that you've done this research, is that it's not the job of the oppressed population to fix the oppression. Yeah. It's the job of the oppressors. And then here we go with the white person going, well, I don't oppress. That might be true, but you're a part of a system that values you over people of color. So maybe to be a better ally or to understand or to help support when you're hiring a team of people, you commit to making that team 50% people of color. Where you, you know what I mean? Where you just take these small, simple steps to go out of your way to find that young 20-year-old that's just out of college, who has that tenacity, who's willing to put in the work, who's, you know, teachable and yeah. and able, you know, and willing to do this. She's out there. She's out there. She's she out just got to find her. Yeah. And so it takes more work on our end. But I really do believe that as a society, if we truly want to heal, we cannot heal and we cannot move forward until we lift up the most marginalized people and um, create an equal playing field. And until we do that, we just, we can't move forward. You know, we can't really tackle issues like I mentioned before of the high maternal mortality rates for black women and high infant mortality rates for black babies and the SIDS rates being higher for black newborns and all of these things. We can't tackle any of this until we start doing this work. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, Thanks for taking the time to sit down and share your experience and keep on with your that's not it sis because I live for those. I send them to my girlfriends. I'm like, you need to read this before you go into this meeting this week. Um, They're so, so good. And where can everybody follow along and support you? You guys can DM me at Laurice IRL on my Instagram account. I am literally always online. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. And follow along with her other gorgeous work at Refinery29. That feed is just like, oh my God, drool worthy. It's (laughs) so, so beautiful. And I will put all of these notes in the show notes so you guys can follow along And thanks for listening. Until next week. This week's affirmation is, I am worthy of my dreams and goals. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 